This week's podcast brought to you by Three Seconds in the Lane. This past Sunday, I was in Bristol in studio for a couple women's college basketball games. The day is done. I leave the studio. I'm walking down the hallway headed towards the parking lot. And who do I pass but Mike Golick Jr.? Just give a quick hello. He's with a buddy as they're walking by. I'm with someone as I'm walking by. And as I get about 50 yards down the hall, he just yells out, a reminder to change your air filters. So Michael Lick Sr. would be proud that Junior is has taken on the mantle and uh, reminding people to change their air filters. I can't help but notice as you sit across from me, and this is unplanned, this comic gold, that the string of your hoodie, one end is pulled all the way out, and the other end is pulled up to the to the hole. I have the uneven hoodie string. Yeah, but you've tied knots at the end of the string so it doesn't get sucked up into the hole. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was folding laundry last night, one of our son's hoodies, the string has was long on one side and had disappeared on the other side. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? You took the whole thing out because you're going to have to restring it. I took the whole thing out. It didn't have a. It didn't have an aglet. Do you know what an aglet is? I do. The hard tip of the yes. of the lace. My, my guess is, you tied knots at the ends before trying to restring no, it. No, no. Okay. What I did was what my mother taught me to do was I I put a safety pin. Oh yeah. On and then I and I strung it through that way mm-hmm. and and with arthritic hands at least by the end of the stringing while watching a. A Rockford Files, needless to say, repeat since it was last on the air in 1980. Uh, I, I strung, restrung it in about seven minutes and thought, is this worth it, or do I just pull the string out and throw it away? Oh, it's absolutely worth it. Hoodies need the string, and uh, that makes sense because last night before I was getting ready for bed, I noticed that I have this little tiny plastic case that has safety pins in it um, that I keep in the in the linen closet in our bathroom, and that little plastic case with the safety pins was missing. Was, no, it was on the bed. I wouldn't know if it was missing. I wasn't looking for it. I just saw it on the bed, and um, didn't really think about why it got there. But um, I'm proud of you because usually I'll set aside hoodies until I have a couple of them that need to be restrung. And sometimes at that point, I forget which color string goes in them. I actually I have a hoodie I wore once, and it already lost its string. Well, to borrow. To borrow the title of my friend and yours, Franz Lidz's memoir, I am an unstrung hero. Yes. Or a restrung hero, maybe. But uh, but actually, right this very second, I'm evening out my hoodie string. Speaking of clothing and textiles, you know what we haven't done in a really, really... Well, I guess it's not speaking of that, but you know what we haven't done in a really, really long time on the podcast? What's that? An Uber driver confession. He drives part-time, it's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call Uber Confessions. And now... I I see where where your, your attempt at a segue was, speaking of textiles... Let's talk about 
taxis? <laughs> no, it gets into the story from my Uber driver, the textile portion of it. Um, I did a game last week down in Atlanta when we did the UConn versus Georgia Tech game. Um, Georgia Tech played great and beat UConn. It's the first time UConn's lost to an unranked team well, since 2006, I think. It's been a really, really long time. But anyway, morning after the game, I get an Uber so I can drive, get driven back to the airport so I can catch my, fl my flight home. So I get in the Uber, and uh, the guy knows where we're going, of course, because it's I've programmed that in. And as we're driving, I said, uh, I'm going, I'm flying Delta. And he said, I know. And I assumed he knew because it's a hub and everybody flies Delta. And um, he said, people don't tell me, don't need to tell me what airline they're on. I can generally guess. And I said, well, how do you guess? And he said, um, by what they're wearing um, and what luggage they're carrying. He said, and I said, okay, so what is a Delta traveler look like? And he said, um, he said, well, I, uh, I dig textiles, so I know when someone is 100% cotton, if someone's wearing nylon. He said, and, and Delta is the airline of people with distinction. Um, he said, so you have to, you bear the mark of those who fly Delta. And uh, he said, usually it's people with, you know, certain kind of textiles and, and light luggage. And I don't know why light luggage would have to do with anything. But light luggage with luggage tags that say Delta on Yeah, them. right, right. Um, and then I said, all right. I said, so uh, so what can you tell, you know, from somebody who's Southwest. flying on Southwest, for example? And he, and he said, heavier, you know, more luggage. I think because people often fly uh, Southwest when they're going on vacation or going somewhere warm. Um and he said, there's only one time where I've been wrong. And he said, I was going out to the suburbs and I picked somebody up in this beautiful, affluent suburb. And the guy got in the car and I said, you're going uh, flying Delta. And he said, no, I'm flying Southwest. He said, and I said to him, what? Southwest? Out of this mansion? <laughs> so. Um, and, and Dr. Gary Siegel replied, yeah, well, right. yes. <laughs> he said, I can also tell by where I where, you know, where I pick people up based on the hotel where you're staying. Um, so anyway, this guy prided himself on always, he claims, knowing which airline people are flying and that only once has he been wrong. But my favorite, my can, favorite can phrase he, was, I dig textiles. Within, well, it makes me think Taxi Cabs and Textiles was my favorite Joni Mitchell album, 1976. What's the real... Um, there wasn't a real one, that oh. is, but thank you for. <laughs> I figured it was a play on something. No, um, doesn't it sound like an album from the seventies? Oh, George, yeah, sure. Maybe a Harry Chapin. Uh, Maybe, but uh, can he distinguish among Delta flyers who are the gate lice and who are not? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know that. I think when you fly on Southwest, for example, every passenger is a gate louse because you ho you have to. You have to be. You have to be in order to fly that airline. That Uber driver reminds me of uh, our daughter had some friends over to celebrate long in advance her her upcoming birthday, our high schooler, and um, she introduced me to one of her friends and said she has the gift of looking at someone and telling what their astrological sign is. She identified so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. 
I said, okay, try me. And this girl looked at me and sat there and kind of on the spot, mildly embarrassed and said, you're a Virgo. And I said, I am. And the, the, the crowd exploded. It was, I, I don't know how she did it, but what is there? Are there 12 astrological signs? She had a, even if she were guessing, the odds are long against that. So yeah, I'm impressive. impressed by, by anybody who can, and, and, and I have to call into, I have to question whether your Uber driver was only wrong one time. Right, of course. Well, when I had been calling um, the UConn-UCLA game in New Jersey, the, the day, during the day and that evening is when our daughter had her, her gathering. And when I came home, the, first, the kids were her already gathering? here. Her gathering. Wow. Birthday, the gathering. <laughs> when I came home, the first thing I did was, was go to the basement and say, say hello to our daughter and see the kids. And our daughter said the same thing to me. So-and-so has this gift where she can get your sign. And so she got she, mine. She can Google your birthday. Yeah, she got mine on the second try, um, which is still very impressive. Very impressive. But the kids, they're like, their minds were completely blown um, by her ability to do that. And, and for her friends, I mean, there's a good chance that she knows maybe their birthdays from Instagram or whatever. But, um, but certainly she didn't know your and my birthday. And, uh, and I think there was a couple kids here who she hadn't met before and was still able to decipher it. What is your extrasensory power, your, your uh, gift? Um. My my ability to retain patience with you. I think that's my. Well, that one, and, that and, is and, my gift. And when did you lose that gift? <laughs> the moment our first child was born. Mine is the the ability to re retain water. <laughs> so you're like some. You'd be a. If you were a superhero, it would be something camel related. Yes, yes, I would be camel man. Yes. <laughs> This has been a really, really busy couple of weeks for me, work-wise and travel-wise. Um, you know, I would, took a couple flights last week, plus the um, car trip to New Jersey. I've got a flight coming up next week and uh, a double header this weekend. Anyway, it's just been a really, been a really busy stretch. And um, <laughs> our daughter, you know, you mentioned that she had friends over to celebrate in advance of her birthday. Well, she planned that get together and just checked with us and said, does this date work? Yes. And she invited the friends and whatever. And, um, and recently, like it was right after that, she forwarded to me, um, an invitation to another friend from the friend's mom, because the mom is throwing a surprise birthday party for that kid. And I just looked at it and thought, you know, this is, this is just so perfect. This kid's mom is throwing her daughter a surprise party this mom, meaning me, is letting her daughter plan her own party, and it. Um, when she realized that no party was forthcoming. <laughs> exactly, it, but um, we did. It made me feel kind of inadequate as a mother of a, a teenager. But we did spend hours cleaning the basement so that it we was did. a suitable venue for her party. We did. Yes, I, I felt pretty good about that. It was like last week. I was thinking, oh. There's one day this week, there's one night this week I'm going to be home. So kids, that Christmas tree that's been barren the last two weeks, we're going to decorate this one night because this is when mom's home. It's, um, I, haven't, I haven't felt um, at the height of my 
momming powers. Uh, Kids are also eager, eager to get a Christmas card produced a family Christmas card and sent out that that hasn't happened is unlikely to happen let's be honest right and that was a resolution of mine last year was that we would get one done we got a New Year's card done last year but we really there's still time the New Year's card is lame what's that the New Year's card is lame let's be honest that's a that's a we missed Christmas right but kids just want you know our kids friends or our kids they just love getting the Christmas cards with photos on them from their friends and their friends families we had for about for about 24 hours, we had a, 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 the saddest string of lights you've ever seen just along a, a row of bushes. And that ended when our son unplugged the extension cord that was that was lighting up those lights and plugged them into uh, lights to light up the, the basketball hoop so he could shoot at night, which yeah. fair play to him. I mean, I, it's a better use. And, and honestly, the, the string of lights, the, the one string of lights was so pathetic that uh, they were better turned off than on. Yeah, I um. Although the day that we cleaned the basement, um, we also put some decorations up or uh, along it, within the house. So at least the house has a Christmas feel to it. The inside, the outside, it's got a wreath. The outside had a nice Christmas feel, and we had one sorry string of lights and thirty-seven pumpkins, right. including <laughs> we including Mount Rushmore carved in our likeness, but it it had. It had started to rot, mm-hmm. and so the faces of yours, mine, uh, Holly's, and Denny Gallagher's had also started to sort of atrophy, much much in the way that they are in real, in life. real life. Yeah, but I, well, I did the, I did heave those into the woods rather than I had promised the kids they could take batting practice and bat the the smaller pumpkins into the woods, but um, that didn't happen. Yeah. But that shoulder season where there's there's inflatable jack-o'-lanterns and Santa Clauses, we let that go on too long. Yeah. There was a touching tableau last night. You mentioned before we started recording that a bunch of NFL players and NBA players are out in COVID protocols now. Uh, our own youngest was, was contact traced and had to miss a couple days of school because somebody was, was positive. And so, you know, we're... Definitely back in that uh, Groundhog Day wintertime scene again. But uh, last, so so as a result, uh, our high school sophomore had a basketball game last night in a visiting gym where they were only allowing two guests, spectators per player. And you, I, you and I arrived in the gym, sitting in the bleachers, when we saw to our growing dismay your dad arrive at the little admissions table where he was clearly being denied entry because there were already two spectators listed for uh, for our daughter. And while I got up to go try to bail him out, you sat there impassively letting him twist at the desk, Rebecca. I was forming my plan of attack. So while I, was I, while there, I was attacking. Yes, I was sitting there thinking, all right, looking around, which one of the kids may not be using both of her guests? Um, the team wasn't out yet. Could I go ask one of the coaches if they might know if there is a, f- uh, a free pass that could be used? That, that's what was going through my brain. I wasn't just ignoring the situation. I was thinking through the best plan of attack. It was part of your thinking. Then you started to attack. Was part of your thinking, 
sacrificing me so that your dad could watch the game. Sending me home, letting him be the take my place. No, no. Because you and I came in a car together, that wouldn't have been the best plan of attack. Well, in the end, your your dad talked his way in. And in in fairness, this gym is enormous, huge, and he just said to the person, "I'm a kid's grandparent. I've come to watch my I've granddaughter come, play. Right, Does I've this come, mean that I have to go home?" Right. And what the lady should have said was, "No, you don't have to go home. You just can't stay here." <laughs> but instead, she, I mean, I assume she said. No, but if you have five bucks, you can stay. Right. I mean, the whole thing, it was a little bit silly. There was not a JV game ahead of time, so there weren't JV players there. There weren't JV players' families there. It was only, you know, a couple spectators for each kid. And I get it that the, that was right. that school's rules. I am I am happy that the woman did the smart common thing. Common sense prevailed. Common sense thing and let um, – and let – a 79-year-old man stay and watch his granddaughter. Had he been 78, that'd be a Maybe not, call. yeah. In fact, he does turn 80. Uh, Turns 80 this, in a couple, in a couple of weeks. weeks yeah, yes. pretty exciting times. One of the nice things we got to do this week, and it was a real bright spot, bright spot to me of the week, was go to a middle school band concert. And um, it's been, we haven't been to an event like that at the school since COVID hit. And uh, so we went and watched our daughter. She was playing piano, accompanying an, a, a kid who was doing, um, who was playing the saxophone. And uh, and then, you know, there was what, probably a half hour concert in total. Um, and and it, they had to have, it was like a COVID concert because they never had the band all together because they haven't been able to practice all together. So it would be a saxophone quartet and a flute quartet and a, um, clarinet quartet and they all played a couple of songs and uh and the chairs were all spaced for for the parents um and families attending the concert and it just felt nice everybody's in their masks the kids are doing their thing but it felt like a little bit of of normalcy again and it was just delightful the beginning band squawking through their songs hot uh, cross buns man hot yeah, cross buns yeah it's um it was really just sweet and lovely and uh and I was just sitting there thinking, you know, kind of used to take these types of things for granted and um, won't anymore. You know, at least certainly didn't this week because it was just lovely to be watching these little kids do what they should be doing. You know, there's some fourth graders just banging on the bass drum and uh, and it was really lovely P- to playing, watch. Playing the the greatest hits, the the, the jock jams of, of the school cafetorium the um the christmas concert uh, oats and peas and beans yes and hot cross buns i was i was my only disappointment there wasn't a uh, there were no recorder solos this time oh right they didn't have the the really little kids playing the recorder yeah it's um it was awesome though And, and by the same token it was nice to be back in gym for high school basketball and uh you know seeing as i did last night the the other sporting goods marooned in the rafters. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a nice football sort of half visible on a speaker suspended above the court. I always like to see a clutch would be an exaltation of, of shuttlecocks, a flock of shuttlecocks. Mm-hmm. 
you know, kind of uh, up in the rafters. That's a, that's uh, nearby high school. Always has always has that. Um, the Gator balls, the kickballs, uh, marooned balloons, which I think is the name of my uh, next book of poetry. Sometimes you see those mylar balloons still up in the rafters. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to gaze up as if at the stars when I'm when I'm in a gym like that, and, and I hadn't done that in a, in a long time. I mean, yeah. I have it volleyball, but um, but when I think of basketball season, I think of uh, I think of volleyballs stuck in the uh, girders above midcourt. Mm-hmm. You don't. I don't notice them. I'm usually looking at the court. You know, last night you were the one who pointed out, look up, there's a football stuck in the speaker up there. But yeah, I, I, especially when I'm in the bleachers, I tend to look down and you tend to look up. Well, I, I, I had mentioned that after afterwards on Twitter and a, a gentleman on Twitter replied that his son said that one of the greatest days of the year is when Mr. Belts would go on the roof of the son's grade school this is in the Twin Cities, and tossed down all the balls that ended up on the roof. They cheered as the sun-bleached, waterlogged, once-usable balls were returned. I mean, think of that great day annually as, as uh, you know, tennis balls and kickballs and footballs rained down as if in cloudy with a chance of meatballs uh, on the children below. It's, 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 it's like a, like a, Christmas movie or something like a second Christmas you know as we record this a day later than usual because we had gentlemen with I think multiple chainsaws cutting down various branches and trees climbing trees and cutting down a couple of dead trees that were in danger of falling on our house in the next windstorm in which case we would have been a couple of dead trees (laughs) exactly Uh, so it made it made even by our standards we couldn't record well, surrounded by chainsaws, but um, but as the timing had it, then last night uh, Steph Curry broke the all-time three-point record uh, in NBA history, and I'm curious: a) Do you remember basketball before the three-point? I mean, you're born in 1973, uh, 79, 80. I think was the first year in the NBA with it. Do you remember life before the three-pointer? High school basketball was after that because I can remember my brother graduated high school in 1985, and I do not think there was a three-point line when he was in high school. And he had a, a, one of his guards, Jimmy Bruno, on his high school team who was a terrific perimeter shooter and scored a bunch of points. And actually, my brother and I were talking about this recently when it came up. I said, man, how many points would Bruno have had? if there was a three-point line back in those days. So I don't remember the NBA prior to the three-point line. I do remember watching high school basketball. Um, Exciting news we found out um, next year in the state of Connecticut, finally getting a shot clock. You've lobbied for this for years. Finally getting a shot clock. And like the normal- You lobbied for it in our basement, not with anybody with any influence. Only, you know when I've lobbied for it? After I've watched games where teams just take the air out of the ball because they're so offensively deficient that it's their only way to win. Um, Just drives me nuts. So- Pressing and stalling. Yeah. My my least favorite Run DMC album. (laughs) Right. So so that's a big thing. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's- I mean, just the, the the ways the game has changed. You know, this is the first year that the women's three-point line in women's college basketball, it, it was moved out to be the same as the men's, although it can still be infuriating because some courts still have the old 
three-point line there. And so... Um, Some it, college courts? Uh, I think so. I think I've... I don't remember which one, but I, I, I've seen it on a, on a college court and thought, why is that still there? And it's, uh, it's a little bit confusing. Um, so that line's been moved back. And then when you go from like college to the pros, the lane is wider. Um, the key is wider, which creates more space um, because you can't be in there for three seconds. And there's also in the pro game where there's not in college, there's a defense of three seconds. So it just opens things up more too. But um, yeah, I... Uh, That's interesting. You raise an interesting question and I don't know the answer, but uh, we should get our crack research staff on this. Steph Curry, the all-time three-point record holder in the NBA. I wonder who in the NBA or WNBA would be the all-time three-second violator <laughs> who has the most... Defensive three-second violator well, or offensive I mean, I think offensive would be violator. more sexy stat, but um, and, 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 and multiplying those violations, what would be the total time they've spent uh, in the lane right. in violation right. of, of rules? The, the way stats the, are you, kept now, they, I'm, I'm certain that somebody could find that out on the NBA side. I don't think... You'd be able to find it out on the WNBA Well, just side. anecdotally, do you remember who, who – was it you? No, it wasn't me. Um, I'm not sure by well, because by the time – Because the art of – I mean, the, excuse me, but the art of, of playing in the post and, and flashing in the lane is to be in there for 2.8 seconds if right. you can. But it is, is entirely a feel. Yeah. And, and one official's three-second call might be six seconds, and another's right. might be two and a half seconds. Generally speaking, most good – college players and all pros if they get a three second call they're sort of doing it intentionally they're they're posting up and they're so annoyed that their guard hasn't given them the ball when they're wide open that they just stay in there because usually you, even if you're open you're in there you're in there like all right i know i got to get out now usually when you get the call it's because you're ticked off you're like you know what i'm just going to stay in here and make a point <laughs> To my guards, that you got to get me the ball next. And time. there's always the uh, the the narc opposing coach who decides that his emphasis is going to be yelling three seconds at the officials because if you're an official and you're calling three seconds, generally you don't notice that somebody's been in the lane for a while until they've been in the lane for a few seconds. Right. After which you're going to give them a couple of seconds. And a good referee just says like, "Get out of the lane, zero, right, um, or something like that," and then. After they've warned you, then they'll start calling it. Or it's the parent who this is. This will get me at youth games. It's the parent who yelling yells it. Um, and I've had referees. I couldn't believe it once call a three second on a kid. It was a kid, not a high school player even, who's he, he was at the elbow area, at like the free throw line area, but half of his foot was in. You don't ever call that on a young player. You just say, "Hey, get your feet out of the get get your heel out of the lane." Like. The notion that you should call that to me is, um, you know, the intent of the rule is you don't want to give a kid that much of an advantage. I mean, it's no advantage to have your heel inside the lane at the free throw line. Like that, that the, the has lane, gotten on my nerves. The lane that is the same width for a third grader as it is for a, a senior in high school. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the exact same whether you're playing in pre-K as it is if you're playing as a high school senior. And in pre-K, it's impossible to get the ball, or even third grade, to the rim unless you're in the lane. Right, which, of course, is why everyone plays its own defense. Well, this, is, this has been, I think, what, what we could come up with as a regular segment. This has been 
four minutes on three seconds. Do you think? Do you think we could get the sponsorship for a, a regular feature on three seconds on in the lane? The three anecdotes? second violation. So you get a parade of guests who have spent three seconds in the lane, four seconds in the lane, living on the edge. I wonder what the longest anybody's has spent in the lane without without getting called. I don't know. I don't think we're gonna crack that nut. No, I don't think we are. Well, we'll have to leave our our viewers hanging. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. The one viewer mail that we will read this week is Dr. Siegel's recap of last week's spot because Perfect. we have to get that in, right? Mm-hmm. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. Gary Siegel, there are so many things that have made the news this past week that it's best that I jump right in, but I love your idea of having a holiday podcast that consists only of viewer mail. Well, there you go. My listening habit, typically waiting until the weekend to listen to the pod, ruined my chance to go to the UConn-Georgia Tech game and meet Rebecca and even have delivered to her dinner while working. Imagine that, Rebecca, a gentleman whose life is devoted to delivering, delivering human life, is going to deliver it to you. Chick-fil-A or something at the Georgia Tech would game. Would have been amazing. Would have been incredible. I've learned my lesson and will listen more promptly, although my missives may still wait until Monday nights. Noteworthy. One, I have replaced my broken dongle due to the keen computer work by Mrs. DGS and Amazon Prime. Uh, 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 completionists will recall that Dr. Siegel was having difficulties with his dongle last week. Rebecca. Never good. Never good. Two, the formula, uh, and I'm so I, I've been looking forward to Dr. Siegel's recap of the, to my mind, farcical finish to the Formula One season. Here we go. The Formula One championships have been decided in a dramatic fashion with the final race this past weekend. A, Kimi Raikkonen, the 42-year-old who has started more races than anyone else and who is a man cool under pressure and a man of few words, retired from Formula One with tremendous adulation from the entire paddock and the fans worldwide. His team had a special message for him on his teammate's car, and now the driver, known as the Iceman, will finally be left alone. A video and picture are attached for your enjoyment, and I will enjoy those uh, momentarily, Doctor Siegel. B, and let's get to the uh, let's get to the the news here. Young championship protagonist Max Verstappen won the pole with Lewis Hamilton in P2, seeking his eighth championship. They were level on points at the start of the race. Lewis took the lead and had the race in hand. Mind you, Rebecca. The winner of this race wins the entire championship, okay? Got it. Lewis took the lead and had the race in hand until a shunt near the end required a safety car. After the track was cleared, a very peculiar interpretation of the rules was taken. I'll, I'll say a very peculiar interpretation, Dr. Siegel, such that Max in second place was just behind Lewis on track for a one-lap restart. Max, with fresh tires, battled and passed Lewis on older tires. He spells tires the British way with a Y early on the last lap to become the new world champion for Red Bull Racing. Mercedes won the Constructors' Championship, to quote my son, yuck. It was not pretty, and the storm on social media was violent. As I type, Mercedes have lost post-race challenges to two rulings during the race and plans to appeal to the governing body. And Steve, here's a chance for your French accent, writes Dr. Siegel. The governing body, the Fédération Internationale de l'Automobile. FIA. The FIA. Um, if I may just... Just uh, give you, Rebecca, my own recap of, of the Please. finish of the race. Uh, the winner uh, wins the whole championship. Lewis Hamilton, after 50 laps or whatever it was, of a 57 or 58 lap race, has an 11 or 12 second lead on Max Verstappen. Then there was the, the, the uh, Verstappen's own team says on the radio, they will need a miracle to win this. Mm -hmm. Well, then the miracle happens. A guy crashes. 
a safety car comes out to you know lead the other cars around the track until they can clear the crash. And as that safety car leads them around, lap after lap after lap, and the the race is is slowly elapsing, it appears that Hamilton will win the race with the safety car leading them to the finish line. Got it. But with one lap left, the governing body of these old guys in, in blazers decides that, no, they will unlap the cars between Verstappen and Hamilton. What do you mean by unlap? They will they will clear those cars from... The tracks. S- well, no, no. They, those cars will, will pass, and and there will be no separation now between Verstappen and, and Lewis Hamilton. This is my own ignorant... Even F1 though ignorant, even though Hamilton had a twelve second Hamilton lead. Hamilton had a twelve second lead. Now, Verstappen just gonna... has, has pitted and has fresh tires, soft tires. Uh, Hamilton's on hard tires, and now when they're there, he's at an extreme disadvantage. Now that there's one lap left, and and they're essentially racing one lap for the title, and uh, so Verstappen passes Hamilton, I think, in the first turn, and wins the whole thing. And as does it make doc, him win the whole year? The as whole well? year. I mean, and he had a great year, and it was neck and neck throughout the. But but Hamilton was fairly was and squarely win winning this. the last race, and right. that's the championship. And his eighth, it would be his eighth. It was Verstappen's first, so that was exciting. But under the circumstances, uh, it was as somebody on social media saw said that I saw. It was as if Real Madrid had a three nothing lead in the 88th minute of the Champions League final, and they announced, you know, next goal wins. Right. So. It was it was farcical as far as I was concerned, as far as a lot of people were concerned. Do you have any idea how many people make up the governing body? I, I of... don't know, but there's one guy who who uh, was being pilloried for making that um, interpretation. Can, and, and can I and it, make a guess on something? Yeah, I don't know how many people make up the governing body, yeah. but assuming it's more than one, this is a very poor decision. Well, it is more than one, but there's one guy who's yeah. okay. But say it's, it's multiple people. My guess, based on this very poor decision, is that there's not a female. As well, part I mean, of the decision-making body, it, it 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 it. We tend to be the voice of reason. That's all I'm saying. Well, but but where where loads of money are involved, and and it's just there there is corruption in sports. Obviously, you know right. there and there are there are you know the 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 Major League Soccer Cup. Not it's not corruption, but it ended on penalty kicks after an incredible uh, 90, 94th minute goal that that tied it up. That Portland tied. New York City in Portland and a raucous crowd, and they play 30 minutes of extra time, and then it goes to penalty kicks. And it's just an unsatisfactory way to end a championship. And it would have been an unsatisfactory way to end the championship under a safety car. You know, it's just sort of dribbling out in an ellipses. Sure, but the solution but at least to that it's is still not fair. Is, right. The solution to that is not uh, uh, next goal wins. Back to Dr. Siegel. In closing, Steve, your clever connection of gate lice and the safe light repair jingle was quite humorous, but the piece de resistance was mentioning the band They Might Be Giants. I heretofore didn't know their name, but when I listened to Istanbul, not Constantinople, on YouTube, I recognized a song that I enjoyed, and the video in the clip include facsimiles of Daffy Duck, Yosemite Sam, and others. That, Mr. and Mrs. Russian, was the highlight of the day. <laughs> that was, uh, They Might Be Giants was in reference to the, somebody, a viewer had mentioned the Longines Symphonet. And uh, that was a phrase that appeared in They Might Be Giants song. Thanks again for sharing your lives and all the best during the holidays, writes Dr. Siegel. We all feel for you, Rebecca, with FAFSA forms, and we all wish that your college-bound daughter is accepted at many schools and has the good problem of too many choices. With warm regards, 
Gary with two R's, and he puts in parenthetically, too late Monday to proofread. If only he had known that we were going to record this on Wednesday instead of Tuesday. We could, we could have given him an extra day. He still day. wouldn't have had but to I think proofread. But I think if we had extended his deadline, much like the IRS, he would have just uh, procrastinated until the last minute on, on Tuesday. Maybe. Having said that, we wish... Of course, we reciprocate the holiday wishes, but we will we will be able to do that. We'll have one more chance to do that. There yes. are seven more shopping days until our final uh, ball and chain of the year. Mm-hmm. And until then, we should, of course, thank everybody for the viewer mail that they sent in this past week. We'll we'll read it next week. And um, thank you, Tom Dickhari. Thank you, Denny. Thanks to all of you for listening. And, uh, and play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.